Hey there, welcome back to the Northwest Audio Podcast, Midweek Formation, where we give some supplemental content to take your formation beyond Sunday morning. My name is Nick, I'm the community pastor here at Northwest, and I'm here with our lead pastor, Luke. Today, we are unpacking Luke's message from Sunday called God Created, and discussing what it means to have God-given value and relinquish control. So good. My man, it is so cold out today. It is redonkulously cold. Redonkulous. I I couldn't open my doors this morning. They were frozen. Everything is frozen. Even in. my even my front door was frozen. I couldn't I had to like pull my front door to get it to, to like come open. And I was like, this is ridiculous. This yeah. is actually happening to me. I know it's really like overdone for people to start conversations, talk about the weather, but we are more than justified. Oh, absolutely. Talk about the weather right We're now. We're so justified. This is, this is like cold. You spend too much time out cold, outside cold. You're just going to die. Cold. Yeah. Like this it's, is that, is, that's the kind of cold that's cold right it now. It is extremely it's unpleasant. cold. So let's talk about, um, let's start the, the day, the conversation with Ruach. Yeah, I would love to, man. It was really, really cool to get a new, few, uh, a new series going for three weeks, we're uh, really just focused on the book of Genesis, specifically answering the question of why God created, which mm. is um, not a question we typically ask. We typically right. asked, we have, the church has traditionally asked how God created and then tries to really answer that question. Right. Yeah. And so I know that that, that might like rub some people wrong because I have a lot of apologist friends who are like, they're like, I care about defending the faith. I care mm-hmm. about realistic ways for us to um, understand how God created. And and there's the whole young earth, old yeah. earth uh, argument, which I want virtually nothing to do with because yeah. I don't see how it adds very much value. Yeah. Um, and to, to me, we miss the greater revelation from Jesus. 100%. When we don't focus on why God created. Yeah. Because that's what Genesis is trying to do. Genesis, that's what Genesis is trying to do. Genesis isn't trying to be like, this is the age of the earth. Like that wasn't the goal. <laughs> that that wasn't, wasn't the conversation that was happening. And no. I heard this saying, if you try to answer questions that the text isn't like asking, asking, or or if you're asking questions that the text isn't answering, like you're never going to, like you're just going to pull stuff out that doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and and that made me start thinking of just like, oh, what if I walked into this with a more open mind than just like, you know, here's what I'm getting. Here's what I'm going for out of this. I'm trying to figure this out. But instead reading the text and being like, oh, what is the text trying to do? Like, what is the goal? What was the author actually trying to say? What was the goal of this text? What was the question they were trying to answer? What was the the intention that God had by saying, you know, each each day and saying it in a certain order and saying it was good and, and then it was very good. Like all of these things just lead to this greater uh, message yeah. that God was trying to communicate that we miss if we go in there being like, how many birds did he create? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but really, how did they populate things? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's not, that's not the point. That's You're the missing point. the whole point. Although an interesting conversation it's just it's just really not the point of Genesis. What did you put in the notes today? You said that Genesis is not a science text. It's not a science book. It's not trying to, you know, prove all of the things of how the world was created. It's not trying to do that. You will not find Genesis 
in the science section yeah, at no, a high school. No, you're more likely to find it in the poetry. I mean, if you ask any yeah. you know biblical scholar, they'd, they would probably lean more towards that the Genesis 1 through 3 is more like poetic literature than it is science, historical, fact-based, like here's how it went down and here's what you need to know. Now, if some of that is true, praise God. Right. However, we're again, we're missing like the substance yes. when we can't appreciate how this was a exclusively Jewish text yes. written for a Jewish ear that would have corrected the propaganda narratives in the slavery yep. Egypt of 400 years. And I, so I love that you mentioned that in your message when you were like, you know, this is, this is who was hearing this. Yeah. You know, these are people that have been slaving away literally <laughs> for yeah. 400 years and their one purpose in life, like what gives you value? How many bricks did you make today? Yeah, it's so sad. And now God shows up and he's like, hey, that's not what gives you value. What actually gives you value is that I created you. It's yeah. that you exist. Yeah, there you go. Like I created you and I saw you before you did a thing. Yeah. And I said, wow, that's amazing. And I said, you know what? To remind you, that you are not, uh, your value is not based on your production. You need to take one day every week to not produce anything. Yeah. And remember that I value even on that day. Yeah. Like even on the day that you don't do a thing, I value you and you need to remember that. Like, and that's just oh, so good. And you so would totally beautiful. miss that. You'd miss that beautiful truth of, of how God loves humans and how much God desires that relationship and that love. Um, and we would totally miss it if we're going in there trying to get all the facts straight about stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's, it's, it's hopefully uh, a welcomed new insight into Genesis for our church family where they can begin to appreciate that yeah. God is trying to answer the question of why he created yeah. Yeah. and how beautiful of an answer that is. Yeah. And the word Ruach, and you kind of put this in our notes uh, for our, our conversation, Nick, the, the word Ruach uh, is the, it's the Jew, it's the Hebrew word for uh, breath or, or wind or life force. Mm -hmm. There's really only one um, definition for Ruach in a, in a Jewish um, mindset. It would just be like spirit. It's that our English language right. translates the word ruach depending on its contextual use. So yeah. the ru ruach comes up throughout scripture, the spirit of God phrase, that ruach comes up several times throughout scripture. And based, um, depending on the context, it gets defined as breath, wind, or life force. Yeah. So regardless of which one of those three is your favorite, it doesn't really change the animating uh, result mm. of his active presence. Mm. So the animating result of his active yes. presence. So, so good. He, I think here's where it can be confusing. Is the animating presence of God's that breath, that wind, that life force, is that the Holy Spirit or is that not the Holy Spirit? This is where I want to clear up any possible confusion. Ruach is actually just a metaphor. It's just a metaphor for the Holy Spirit's active presence too. Right. And so the triune God was present. Ruach is just describing metaphorically the power of that triune God. Mm. Because where the Father is, the Spirit is. Where the Spirit is, the Son is. Yeah. Where the Son is, the Father is. Yeah. Right? And so it's not like they, they, they don't operate independently of each right. other. 
they operate inter- interdependently yeah. of each other. One God. Mm. That's the mystery and the power of the Trinity. The Ruach or light or the life-giving animating presence of God's presence. He's actively here, animates all things to life. Well, that's because the triune God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are right there and they're causing it to be so. Mm. And so it, it can be muddied and, and confused and misconstrued in, in big terminology and theology and all that we need to know, all that you, me, and every other human on planet Earth or a Jesus follower needs to know is that when God decides to breathe onto something, when God decides to touch something, when God decides to be near something, he imparts, mm. he imparts a power yeah. that brings that something to its full life. To, it brings it to life. That's why I tried to use the fireplace metaphor Yeah, with my son who will blow oxygen onto small flames and it'll come roaring to life. The difference is, is that the Ruach provides that originating spark. Yeah, And so... I think that um, what I was hoping the Spirit would communicate to our church family is that all of us come in like a winter garden or a pre-created state where it's chaotic and formless and void. And the invitation from the Holy Spirit is for us to allow him to breathe Mm. onto the frozen parts of our hearts, the winter garden of our soul. And what does it look like for us to relinquish these hardened parts of who we are to his breath. Mm. And all of this fancy terminology, all these fancy words really bring it back to the very simple um, posture of surrender. Mm. It just comes back to surrender. It comes back to, uh, I give up, I give over to God. Yeah, All of these things that I'm trying to um, carry up by myself. Yeah. It's really just surrender. That's good. And that's, I mean, I feel like that's even part of the call of Genesis just as a whole of just like, at least the creation story, like Genesis 1, 1 and 2, is just this call to surrender the control, not just of like what you're doing, but also the control of your value of like, I I need to be in control of this, 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 and this. You know, I have to have that. I have to be independent. I have to do these things. And God's like, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you stressing about for? Like, I've got this. I'm in control. Did you see what I just created? It makes right. me think of like the Job, you know, like, were you there when right. I created yeah. all these things? Yeah. No, you weren't there, you know? Um, and I, I can't help but think about how often we shoot ourselves in the foot by not relinquishing that control and by, by sitting here and being like, oh, I need to do these things. These are um, extremely important for like my value. And I'm starting to put um, myself on the line if this doesn't get done the way it needs to get done or if I don't produce this this amount this quota and I just feel God saying in this story you know like don't don't put yourself in that position you know I, I created this I'm in control not you just surrender it like just give it over it's not it's not worth holding on to um I've I've heard on this topic of conversation it's not worth trying to have control when you will never have control. Yeah. And God, God is in control whether you believe it to be true or not, whether you want it to be true or not. He is in control. You might as well just acknowledge it. Like it's 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 not worth holding on to when when he's got control no matter what. You might as well just surrender it in your spirit. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just not worth holding on to. Um and so I feel like that's just 
a big, big, big theme in this story. Um, in in essence of like why God created us, of like God's like, hey, I I want to give you value, and I want you to add value, which we're going to get to in the in the other um, the other two Sundays in this series. But um, for this in particular, God created. I feel like this is just the reminder of of God's grandiose nature of I created, not you. Yeah. Which means I have added the yes. most possible yes. value <laughs> like, and you are included. Exactly. So you're valuable, whether you are producing bricks on the seventh day exactly. or not, you're valuable and loved yeah. and accepted whether you make a brick yeah. or not. And so yeah. I think that, you know, we'll, like you said, we'll get to this in a couple of weeks, but your added value does not hang a price tag on mm. you. you. That's not your worth. Your worth is not, does not correspond to your added value. You're valuable because you exist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which means God made you. There's an infinite amount of value in you. There is a pricelessness to you because you are a human being. You're the crown of his creation. So you have so much value. Now we're going to talk about what it means to add value. Yeah. But your added value doesn't value you. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> your added value brings additional goodness to God's kingdom because yeah. he's 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 looking for partners yeah. to co-labor but with. But it doesn't define you. It doesn't define you. Again, God has added the greatest value. I wish yeah. I had touched on that new thought right there. God has added the most possible value by creating humanity. Mm. And and you are part and we are part of that. And isn't it isn't it so frustrating, Nick, that we live in a time in society where your worth and the interest that the world has in you is entirely predicated on your product productivity. Yep. And if you don't know how to turn a dollar, and if you don't know how to uh, gain a following, and if you blank and a blank and a blank yep. and a blank, it's like you're worthless. And how yep. many times... If you don't bring anything to the table. Yeah. You know, how many times have we told ourselves in our heads, like, I'm worthless, mm. which is such a lie from the enemy. Yeah. Oh, that is such a hell hellish lie. Yeah. It's straight from the devil's mouth. And, um, yeah, but Ruach, thankfully Ruach uh, changes all that, you know, the animating presence of, of God, his life force, his breath is wind, the wind that comes from his, his active presence. And so ho hopefully, hopefully we, we found, um, uh, new momentum in, in walking and moving with the spirit by relinquishing control, because I think that greater, the greater revelation from Genesis one and the corresponding creation account in John 1 is that the creator is also the controller. Mm. And we see that in Jesus, uh, that God was uh, with the word and the word was God. Yeah. And so we're like, wait a second, <laughs> wait a second. So, so Jesus has this supreme, this, this like supreme sovereign lordship and rulership. And yet that God, that same God chose to wrap himself in human flesh. Mm. I mean, that's, that's why this gospel is just so like, oh my goodness. Yeah. So incredibly scandalous yeah. is that the the one deity became a man deity, and he didn't have to, but because of his heart of love, because of his character. Yeah. So, which, if anything, is just a continuation of the God we see in Genesis one. It's like, oh, totally. You know, a lot of people love to like separate out the Old Testament yep. and New Testament. You're like, oh, there's this kind of God and there's this kind of God. And it's like, no, there is yeah. one. It is one very clear message from page one. You know, you said this on Sunday and I loved it. You said the gospel begins in Genesis. And I was like, ooh, yes, let's go. Like, yeah. you know, on page one, God says, you know, 
he's trying to communicate about himself and about man that God has a deep love and a deep desire to be with his creation, to add value and to, to do those things. And then he says about man, you are valued and that I, and I love you. And that just continues on and on and on and on throughout the scriptures and like coming up to this climax in, in the gospels uh, of, you know, Jesus being born and God's like, you know, I love you so much. I'm even going to just walk with you. Yeah. Like I'm going to, to become a man. I'm going to strip myself of all of these things of the glory of the, of the, of the honor and all these different things. And I'm just going to walk with you and cry with you mm. and feel pain with you because that's how much I love you. That's how much I desire to be present with you. Yeah. And that's just, that is the God of Genesis one. It's the same mm. God. Um, and I think we miss that sometimes, uh, going, going back into relinquishing control to make this a little bit more practical sure. for our listeners. Um, what would you say to the person who's struggling to relinquish that kind of control to, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm asking? Yeah. Of like struggling to take that next step of like, what do I even, what do I even do? Like, how do I relinquish this control when I, it's so hard to not hold on tightly, uh, to, where my value is and to to this productivity, all of these things that we're trying to push against, that we're trying to unlearn, mm-hmm. um, you know, because I think, honestly, Genesis 1, you know, written to these people who have been told that, hey, your, your, your value is in how many bricks you produce. I think right now we're in a similar situation of, of yeah. our value has been, like you said, it's based on our productivity. It's based on what we bring to the table. What's our social following? What's our social status? All yeah. of these different things. How much money do I make? Exactly. How much possessions do oh, I own? That's huge. How beautiful is my spouse? 100%. Like all of these am I, spun am I good at, Am I good at my job? And yep. am I better than this person yep. at my job? You know, is, is somebody going to take my spot? Like all of these different things yeah. are are defining our value. And so I think this, this story is inviting us much like the Israelites at Sinai to, to unlearn that yeah. and to relearn the truth of, of God's, you know, Ruach given value yeah. of like, no, my breath gave you value yeah. and gives value. Um, so what would you say to the person who's struggling to relinquish that and struggling to grasp that and, and push away from our current culture? Well, you know, the first thing I think of is that you have to be brutally honest mm. what is in your control and what is not. Yeah. And so, you know, using the using the highway example, you're driving on 465 and your hands are on one steering wheel, but you are surrounded by cars where your hands are not on those steering wheels. Mm. And so you just have to be brutally honest what is in your control and what is not. And, you know, you'll lie to yourself. We will all... You lie to ourselves about what's within our control yeah. because we want it to be in our control so bad we'll tell ourselves it is, right. even though it's not. And um, there's just there's just so much more out of our control than it, than it is. Um, I think it's a little dangerous to say that control is an illusion, that nothing's within our control. Yeah. I think that's dangerous because there are some things that are within our control. Yeah. God has obviously given us agency right. to control what comes out of our mouth. 100%. How we use our bodies. Absolutely. We do, in fact, have control over how we spend money. We have control over what we do with our ears, our eyes. So uh, control is not an illusion. It's reality. It, you just, We just have to be brutally honest with IDing the things that are not in our control. Mm. Here's what we want to do on the highway when we have our hands on the steering wheel. We see the cars in front of us, the cars behind us, and 
to our left and to our right, and we'll manipulate our driving to accommodate their driving. They hit the brakes, we hit the brakes. Right. They speed up, we speed up. They don't turn on their signal, we get mad. We honk the horn. <laughs> There's just so many things, Nick, that are not in our control. Yeah. And if we are clamoring, like a lifetime of clamoring of trying to control these things. Yeah. Or feeling anxiety that we can't control it. Yeah. We're not going to enjoy the ride. Yeah. That's that's why I use that analogy of the IndyCar racing experience mm-hmm. on Sunday. It's like, dude, if, if we just try to control every little thing in our lives that we cannot control, we're going to miss the enjoyment yeah. of that journey. Yeah. You're not going to get the control. And so you're just going to be putting yourself into a, a lifetime of, of anxiety and frustration and all of these things trying to get the control that you'll never get. Yeah. So that's good. I can't control. You can't control humans. I can't control you, Nick. You can't control me. I cannot control the words that come out of your mouth, the condition of your heart. Yeah. We just cannot control humans. And I think that's the first brutal thing we have to be honest about is that typically it's other people we're trying to control. Mm. And although there are many things we try to control, the really unhealthy one is that we're trying to control the people that we actually love the most. Mm. Trying to control that spouse, that child, that coworker. The, the boss, you know, what, whatever it looks like. And that is, that's really the danger zone is when we try to control other human beings when really we can only control ourselves. Yeah. Mm. Control what you can control and yeah. don't freak out about what you can't. Can't control the weather. No, you can't. Like my mama always says, Nick, it's no such thing as bad weather. I, Just bad clothing. She's been saying that to me since I was a kid. I had to squeeze <laughs> that in. But it actually, it actually reveals that you can control. Yeah, you can't you control the weather. A rain jacket yes, or, a, or, a, or a parka, you, you but can, you cannot you control yeah. the snow or rain. You cannot control the weather, but you can control what you do about it. Let's go, Bonnie. Let's go, Bonnie. Look at that. Spiritual truth. Bonnie made it onto the podcast. First <laughs> go, and Bonnie. last time. First and last time. Maybe not the last Love time. Love you, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> Does she listen to this? I don't know. I'll have to ask her. <laughs> well, you'll have to tell her to listen to this week for Absolutely. sure. Because um, you gave her a shout out. No, that's really good. Uh, you had a poem yeah, that you wanted to share. But I ran out of time. You ran out of time. All about relinquishing control. If hmm. you want to I would love to share, share that it. with us. Absolutely. This is from someone in our community, in our church community. Uh, he gave me permission to share it. Um, he's got a whole catalog. It's actually Sean Fitzgerald. And he said it was fine for me to use, use, his, uh, use his name there. So the... The poem is actually titled To Regain Control. Mm. So it can be misleading at first read, but if you let me read the poem, you'll see how okay. it it all it all uh it all resolves itself. Um this is the beginning of the poem. Something is missing. Key to the many realms of my life, which lie barren or in ruin. Despite countless attempts to regain control and unwavering missions of rescue, my heart remains a hostage. Once considered mighty, a steadfast bastion, my fortress is being overrun. And I am accomplice to my own demise. For in all my efforts to regain control, each volley I send strikes my own foundation. But, alas, I realize my error. To regain control, it I must relinquish and allow myself to be led by truth. Hmm. That's the end. This is a real short, simple, sweet uh, 
poetic package of what we discussed on Sunday and in discussing now yeah. to regain control is to relinquish it. Is it to relinquish it? And the more you try to regain it, the more it'll just keep biting you. Yes. Mm. Yes, and and it it is the it is the spun propaganda of 2024 that motivates us to try to control all the things yeah. in our lives. Just just like the spun propaganda of different creation narratives that were fed to a Hebrew nation pre-Genesis creation account, there are many things that we believe about who we are and how the world is that motivates us and incentivizes us to try to control all of these things that are actually outside of our control. Yeah. And so the lesson behind the lesson is be careful who you listen to Mm. and how important it is that we as followers of Jesus uh, first listen to the voice of God, the words of God in the community of God and work very hard to introduce those who are exploring the faith and who are exploring spirituality to include them in communities so that they can belong to something before they can even believe something. Yeah. And how the individual Christian is really a thing of a couple of generations ago. Yeah. And how the community of God is really the future uh, of how the church will eventually be, a, well, is relevant now and will continue to remain relevant to a heart longing for something bigger than oneself. Mm. And so it is incumbent upon our church and churches just like ours, Nick, church plants and uh, churches within the city to what you say, you say nourish, to nourish the mm-hmm. city. We're going to nourish our city by being a community yeah. of people who listen to God well, who participate in um, outreach efforts and bring the, the good news of Jesus in hands and feet activity, who, who grow in our knowledge of Jesus uh, through intentional discipleship measures and do all of those things in the context of community because it is the community of God where you hear God's voice most clearly, most often. And although there is certainly times where it is justified to slip away, just like Jesus did, Jesus would often slip away. Jesus slipped away plenty, but when he was not slipping away, he was actively engaged in community. Mm. And that active engagement in community was the difference maker. Yeah. And so that is... I think the the call on all of us, if we want to live a life where we are actively being able to ID the things in our lives that we cannot control, it's going to be because we're thriving in community. Because I've got my brother and my sister in Christ being like, hey, I know that you're trying to control that relationship. If If you just have the courage to open your hands and let God take that wheel and let God lead and let God be in control of what God is exclusively in control of, I think there'd be a lot less anxiety in your soul. Right. I think that adds something that I hadn't really thought about, but with the order of how this uh, series is set up, because you just talked a lot about how like the ways that we add value. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously we'll get to that in the next couple of weeks, but it's funny that we have to start first before we get there. We have to start with, you know, God is in control. We then, we then move to, we have value that is independent of what we do. Then once we know that we have value and that we, there are things that are out of our control, now we can add value. Yeah. It's like, it has to go in that order. Yeah. Like we can't add value to anything until we acknowledge that our value is, is independent of that. That's like, a beautiful way like to say Like we it. have to start with our value and then move out. Yes. We have to start that I'm loved, so now I can love. Yes. Like, I can actually do this because I'm no longer doing it in order to fill this void that I have. I'm already full. 
Like, I don't need anything from this. This is, this is completely um, an outward thing. I'm not trying to, I'm not, I'm not in need of anything. My value, that was beautifully said, is independent yes. of my added value. Yeah. And if we can believe that yeah. and operate from that, then we'll be able to add value. <laughs> we, dude, there's like a limitlessness. Oh, absolutely. To how we can participate in the kingdom of God, in the purposes of God, yeah. radically align ourselves with God's purposes. Yeah. And that's because it is, that is the way God intended it to be. Yeah. Like when we can walk in step in, in union with God, with the way that he designed us to be, um, where, where our value is, is predetermined before anything that we do. Yes. Now we can step into this new, we can step into this life, this new life, this new identity. Um, this new creation, um, and we're able to partner with God well, because it's like, oh, I've not, I've nothing to lose. Yeah. Um, there's this line in a song by Corey Asbury, and it says, "Nothing to gain, nothing to lose, nothing to show, nothing to prove." Whew. And then the next That's line so is, the, "The weight of the world falls off my shoulders mm. as the weight of your love comes crashing in." What song is that? Uh. Crashing in, I think is the name of it. Okay. Um, it's a great song. Um, but yeah, I love that line right there. Nothing to gain, nothing to lose, nothing to show, nothing to prove. And as beautiful and as true as those four statements were, it is just so difficult to, oh, to 100%. Li- actively live that out. Oh, absolutely. In action. I'll be the first to tell you, listener, <laughs> that I I most days don't believe those things about myself. Oh man! Like, like I ninety-four percent of my decisions are, I got something to prove. I got something, I got to, something to show. Yes. I got something, you know. And it's just man. something to gain, something to yes, absolutely. And so that has to be a constant reminder. Like that will be that will be something that you want to remind yourself throughout the rest of your life, mm-hmm. throughout your entire formation, um, as you as you pursue Christ likeness. You will have to realize that that a lot of Christ's ministry happened because he knew his value. Yeah. Like Christ was not insecure. He was not he was not looking to gain anything and that's how he was able to love so well. Yeah. Like he was able to go to people and just extend fully all of himself because he's like, yeah, I got nothing to gain, nothing to lose, nothing to show, nothing to prove. Oh, I love that. Like so much. I've got I I have value. And so I think that in a lot of ways, Christ was like really showing that as an example for us of like, if you want to walk with the spirit, this is how you do it. Like yeah. walk in confidence. Yeah. Like you, mm. you, you are valuable just as a human. And I'm trying to show you that, you know? Um, and man, I just, I can't say enough for all of your formation. You will have to continuously remind yourself that. Um, as you add value to the kingdom and as as you engage with with life with God and with with nourishing the world, you have to remind yourself that you have value. Yeah. Wow. And and so you need to relinquish control of all of the things that you think will give you that value. You need to just let it go. You let it go. You're not in control of your value. Yeah. God is. Yeah. And he's already determined it. He's already said it, period. You have value, period. Done. End of yep. discussion. There's no more. To, there's nothing else to talk about. And it's an immeasurable value. Yeah. You have nothing yeah. else to do. And yeah. so from there, we can move forward. Um, and I just, man, we have to remember that. We have to remember that. 
think that's a good place. I think that's a good place to stop. Honestly, yeah, that just feels like the right call. Sounds like the call to action. That's just a tangible walk away. It's just a you know, be brutally honest. Yeah, be brutally honest. The the things and areas and persons in your life that uh, you're trying to Mm -hmm. control that you know you don't have control of. That's good. If you have questions or things you want us to talk about on the podcast, please let us know. You can do that by going to the media tab on our website at mercyroadnw.com. On our website, you'll also be able to find more details and information about our community, and you can get a hold of me or Luke directly as well if you go to the staff page. So thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you again soon. 